the weekend variety wireless with Dock Edge Festival. For details, visit dockedge.nz. When winter comes, a grey, still, has to be overcast, has to be still, and it has to be a, a Sunday, and it has to be the afternoon, and this sound. How New Zealand. A lawnmower at a distance is a beautiful thing on a grey Sunday afternoon. Did you record this yourself? Yeah. A few doors away. It's a lovely sound. On the wet grass? Yeah. Someone was mad. But it has to be a grey, still, mm. cold Sunday afternoon. There's something so melancholy. It's probably all those years of having to go to school on a Monday. And, you know, I keep waiting it's, for it's that, be a that great sound when the stone hits the blade. That oh, shoom. yeah, yeah. Have we got that? No, we haven't. I think I missed out, edited out the, where it hit the blade. Two-stroke or four-stroke for you, Paul? Oh, would. I, I don't actually have a lawn, but I, I, I would have... A, a four-stroke seems to be a lot less fuss, doesn't it? Yeah, I like a two-stroke. Do you? Well, I mix in the oil, I like the smell of it. Uh, I think it's more powerful. You've got a tiny lawn though, wouldn't you have an electric mower? No. No? I like I like a lawn mower that goes brrrm. I really okay. do. As old as all hell too. There we go. That's the sound of winter. Number one. A series of five, <laughs> fifty more to come. <laughs> Alright, that's a rockin' start. Welcome along everybody to the Weekend Variety Wireless Sunday edition. Uh, hello if you've downloaded the podcast. Yeah, we've had an issue with the podcasts. They're trying to yoink out an interblockage. The engineers have got a long piece of wire with a hook on the end of it. They're trying to yoink the thing out, find out where the hell it is and yoink it out so we can get the podcasts up. It's apparently nothing to do with our end of affairs. Um, somebody's changed something at Apple and hasn't told anybody. Uh, when we get to the bottom of it, you'll be notified on Facebook. Apologies. But here we are, anyway. Coming up later this evening, a bit of a Documentary Edge special. Ooh, crikey. We've got an interview with this bloke whose dad killed his mother and the kid testified against his father um, in court. It's, it's kind of a spooky thing, actually. He's confronted his father many, many, 26 years on in jail. Uh, you'd just like to know, please, what really happened. The movie's called Murder in Mansfield. Here we go. You can tell, I'll just fill you in. I'll give you a picture. I am desperately trying to find this cut, which is absolutely stunning. It'll give you an idea of what we're doing, but it's just disappeared. I'm very, very sorry. We'll carry on. Also, point of no return. The solar plane that circumnavigated the world. It's a gorgeously made documentary, and there's uh, some really interesting, deeper story, personal story behind it. The directors will be in around about the 10.30 mark. The right to he fire is our outsider this uh, tale with Jared Hindmarsh in 1918. It blanketed Wellington all the way from right to he. A massive conflagration and uh, many people died. It's one of those things that's kind of gotten a little bit forgotten in our history. Dibbig's back. Where's he been? 
at home getting worked up about Trump all week. Kids. Yet again. Again. Yeah, I know. Yet again. Um, and what happened to a news story? Remember, it was on every second day. Cape Town water. It was just going to run out. And they were going to have to, I don't know, move somewhere else. North Shore of Auckland? Probably. Uh, the D-Day, they had it marked on the calendar. That's when we run out of water and it's going to be hell to pay. Um, that day's come and gone and nobody's called up Cape Town to see if they're still there. Maybe they aren't answering the phone. Well, I can answer that. Yes, they are answering the phone. We've got the Deputy Mayor of Cape Town uh, by the name of Ian Nielsen and he'll be telling us why D-Day didn't happen and if they've got a new one. All right, that'll do for now. You okay, Paul? Yep. We'll do uh, Media Stick next. The Weekend Variety Wireless with Dock Edge Festival. New Zealand's premier documentary film festival. I have a lot of fight left in me. I'm not breaking down. The New Zealand Herald published a smear by TV blogger Paul Cassidy. The blogger is obviously emotionally disturbed. We will never feel safe again. Hello, Paul Cassidy. G'day. All right, uh, media stick. I'm going to kick it off. Uh, Stephen Fry and uh, the uh, the most the most popular intellectual or famous intellectual at the moment uh, out of Canada or out of Toronto, uh, Jordan Peterson. We're not meant to like him, though, are we? What do you mean you're not meant to like I don't him? Know, I'm just picking Have up you this vibe. To what he's said to say. That, that there's something wrong with him. All oh, right, listen to what, uh, listen to what the guy has to say, and either agree with it or not. Anyway, him He's frowned upon, is what I'm saying, Graham. Who by? by? By lots of people that I've vaguely read a few sentences on different tweets. And, and they listened to what he had to say. Well, let's see. Mm. I mean, you love these type of guys, though, don't you? That, that I'm, not particularly I'm not particularly fond of Jordan, Jordan Peterson in a lot of ways. But I listen to what he says, so, and some, some of it's good. So, for me... Anyway, the uh, debate for, was about okay. political correctness. Yeah, okay. But, and, but and for me, as someone who's failed to do the, the, the research, what, what is he in a nutshell? How do you describe him? Mm. What's what's the appeal? What's the appeal? Is he a truth teller? Is is that what you? He is it recognizes that there are differences between men and women that are oh, psychological as Mars, well as a bit penis. of that. Yeah, right. I suppose so. Um, and he's an advocate for free speech, which is a good thing. And he's got some weird ideas about religion, which I completely disagree with. He's a bit conservative for me, but he's got some. Good he's definitely to say having a moment, well. isn't he? He's, he's, he's having having a moment. Oh yeah, he's everywhere. Hell yeah, because um, he came up against his own university. He refused to uh, be compelled to use pronouns for special pronouns like "ji" or "zi." Or things like that because he was being compelled to that was the point okay yeah so that created a huge fuss in canada and still does anyway it was a fascinating debate and stephen fry is it was quite a get it was um is political correctness nonsense or all that sort of stuff in yeah. any case stephen yeah. fry in canada uh being interviewed on this subject uh, on canadian broadcasting isn't it your view that you think that the media, for example, and many others are giving him exactly what he needs yes, to feed are. it. Of course they are. I remember saying to someone, do you know, they used to say of Hitler that he was the most photographed man in history. And I would say Trump is the most talked about man in history. Every single 
uh, restaurant table, every single bar room, every single coffee shop conversation, you could just hear the word Trump, 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 Trump. <laughs> and I said, he's like, he's the Trumpolo. He's like a Dr. Seuss character. <laughs> the more you say his name, the bigger he gets. All you have to do to defeat him is never mention his name. Oh, Just don't talk about it. Of course, because he makes money, because he's clickbait, because you see Trump says and you immediately press the click because you want to know what Trump said. And that's our fault, not his. And particularly the fault of, if I count myself as vaguely leftish, which I do, I don't see the rise of Trump or the rise of Brexit in Britain, I don't see them as a triumph as the right, I see them as a failure of the left. And that's part one of the reasons I think political correctness uh, has some part to play in that. Anyway, yeah, Stephen Pry there. He's always good, isn't he? I think he is. Um, and not, oh, not as funny as the other one. wasn't particularly funny. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't. I preferred the Jeeves and Worcester era. <laughs> it wasn't belly laugh stuff. Uh, but some interesting observations regarding the media, in any case. Uh, Kevin Milne, uh, yesterday morning, listener pointed me out to this. It's just a straight up blooper. Nothing, it can happen to anyone, but it's a good one because it's about well, a he's grandfather. Got form, though. He's got form, hasn't he, Milne? Has he? It's a dirty talk. Apparently, that's what they say. Oh, really? Behind, <laughs> when the mic's off, filthy language. <laughs> But that's that's not for public broadcast. No, no, it's not. Uh, okay, him and Jack Tame. It's about a grandfather and a clock, hopefully. These videos are telling us everything, Jack. If I want to remove the rust from Granddad's old clock, I Google remove rust from, co uh, from <laughs> oh, careful. clock. Oh, careful. Careful, careful. And uh, save me there. I think it's the grandfather that makes it work. Granddad's cock. Yeah, there we go. Nothing more to it other than... I bet than you it he Googled that after that interview. He thought, oh, that's an idea. Probably. It's surprising what you get. Surprising it what's available be. out there. It is surprising. Haitian amputee or sex. is it surprising? Haitian amputee sex is something that we just thought, oh, would there be such a thing? There's a whole website de devoted to it. Okay. Uh, Frankie Boyle. Frankie funny Boyle. Scotsman. Yes. He's the funniest Scotsman uh, alive. Um, and he has a show that's, this is the second season, it's called, I think it's called The End of the World, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. and it's a panel show with a comedic bent, but very smart, very left-leaning. Was it New World Order or End of is the World? Is it New World Order? Yeah, maybe it's New World Order. That's right, New World Order. Mm. And uh, it's, it's, it's one of those brilliant British shows that, that they do, kind of highbrow, but also very funny and very lowbrow at the same time. Uh, this is the second season, and this kicked off last week, so this is just a few days before the royal wedding, so there's a few royal wedding gags in this monologue, but it's, uh, it's just Frankie Boyle what he, doing what he does best. Hello and welcome to Series 2 of New World Order. Donald Trump has been investigated by the FBI. The FBI raided his lawyer. They suspect that Trump's lawyer has paid off a porn star. Must be amazing the first time you have to ask your lawyer to do something like that. <laughs> Gary, you did a really great job that time the neighbour's branch was overhanging our carport. <laughs> I need a hooker's legs breaking. <laughs> How hard can it be to assassinate Trump? Surely half of his security are concentrating on stopping Melania from making a break for it. <laughs> Israel this week shot dead 58 Palestinian protesters, wounded another 2,000 people in what the British media disgracefully described as clashes. It's not clashes. If one side has sniper rifles 
And the other side has a few catapults and slingshots. You're basically murdering the Ewoks. <laughs> We've got the royal wedding tomorrow. Meghan Markle will become the Duchess of Sussex. That's got a heart. You grow up wanting to be a princess, you end up sounding like a pub in Eastbourne. <laughs> it's going to be a traditional wedding. Something old, Prince Philip. Something new, the royal baby. Something borrowed, the wealth of India. <laughs> and something blue, the Queen's feet. <laughs> OK, on with the show. Nice one. Very good. Very good. Uh, he, he mixes in the, uh, you know, the serious issues there. There was a, um, that episode, because uh, I follow him on Twitter, and that, that episode, he had a longer piece at the end where he was getting stuck into, uh, into Israel, I guess, basically, about the, that, um, that Palestinian clash. Mm. Uh, and it was removed in the editing process, and he was unaware of that. And Ooh. so he wasn't very happy about that. Because he's a very politically outspoken, strident Scotsman, yeah. of, of, the, of which there's, you know, it's a great tradition. Yeah. Uh, so yes, so he, he was he's in a bit of a stoush with the makers of, of his own show. Uh, shall we see him and hear him in full flight uh, regarding the royal wedding? Yes, it's beautiful. Very much looking forward to the royal wedding, and here at the show we have a bit of an exclusive. We've been leaked a rundown of all the events of the big day. At 11.30, the royal carriage arrives at Windsor. At 11.38, Princess Anne will play three notes on a flute made from the shin bone of an Aboriginal tribeswoman, <laughs> which will temporarily release Diana's soul from the phantom zone. <laughs> At 12 noon, Prince Philip will step through a screaming mirror and proudly don his medals, which commemorate his murder of the Archangel Michael for his lifelong service to racism and for being Jack the Ripper. <laughs> the Duke of Westminster will perform his ceremonial duty of pulling Prince Andrew off the choir. <laughs> Andrew will topple backwards onto the organ and his arse will play the first two verses of All Along the Watchtower. <laughs> At 12.28, the Queen will accidentally summon Ra into the body of the Archbishop of York. <laughs> and Prince Philip will return to his chambers, cry out in Latin and thrust his penis into an interdimensional glory hole. <laughs> And then it's on to drinks at Windsor. Uh, that's lovely. That's lovely. Crazy, absurd, mm. lovely, lovely stuff. Yeah, lovely. Stuff. Surrealist comedy. Surrealist. Um, have you heard that Elon Musk has uh, started this campaign? Yeah. 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 He's 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 gone mad. Clearly. Mm. Yeah. Well, the thing about him is. It's a fine. He's one. really good at making electric yeah. cars. Yeah. And batteries and mm. spaceships and things. Yeah. Anyway, um, there's this commentator, Tim Poole, who's worth a look at. You can look him up online. Uh, just a little thing on Elon Musk and his, what's it? These elite circle-jerking members of the media get it through their <laughs> thick skulls that they have lost touch with the average person. So I hope you're prepared for a rage rant video about the media today because I'm going to be talking about Elon Musk who tweeted his frustrations about the media and was immediately decried as a Trump supporter. That people made reference to him being like a Gamergate and whatever nonsense because these members of the media can't get it through their skulls. People do not like you.
But let's just start with the story. Elon Musk tweeted, going to create a site where the public can rate the core truth of any article and track the credibility score over time of each journalist, editor, and publication, thinking of calling it Pravda. This came after he tweeted, the holier-than-thou hypocrisy of big media companies who lay claim to truth but publish only enough to sugarcoat the lie is why the public no longer respects them. He has started up, the, he's registered Pravda as a business. Which was the official newspaper of the Soviet Union. Of the Union, Soviet Union. Yeah. Interesting so choice. So what, what was he, was there something specifically that he was pissed off about that was covered in the no, mainstream media? No, just in, in general. Uh, I think, no, nothing in particular, but... I mean, in the era of Trump, uh, media on all sides has gone kind of mad. Um, and there's an interesting thing that... It's got to be something that sparked it. You'd think so? Yeah. Maybe a bad review for an electric car? Uh, they generally get pretty good reviews. Yeah, he's, he's one of those lauded people. Lauded for a lot of things that he... He should mm -hmm. be lauded for making electric cars, dot. He's an engineer. That's what he's really yeah, good he's at. Yeah, he's a very clever man. He invented PayPal, didn't he? That's, that's who made all his money. Right. That's a clever thing to have done. Yes, it is. But you see, you don't get Einstein. He doesn't know anything about plumbing. If you've had a problem yeah. in 1933 with the toilet, you don't go, oh, Einstein, he'd be the bloke to go to because um, he's really clever. No, you need a plumber. Um, no, it's an interesting point about, you know, some YouTubers have bigger audiences than CNN. Hmm which is quite a remarkable damn thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, the, the times they are changing, bro. Right. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Great week down in, in Dunedin for the Critic newspaper, the student newspaper. Yeah. It's, always, it's a, a very good student newspaper, actually. I think it wins the student newspaper awards generally. because they. How many how many contest this? Uh, well, you know, I guess the... Yeah. yeah. But anyway, they, they've I'm got... I'm surprised a, they still have one. They've got a really good thing going on. And, th and this week they got in the news because they had the, the cover story was about menstruation. Mm. And they had this... It was basically uh, a kind of a very crudely made computer generation of a woman lying back uh, completely naked and she's having her period. Uh, the proctor of the university went apeshit, um, grabbed, grabbed the 500 copies that he, f that he could get his hands on and destroyed them, threw them in a skip. Uh, of course, this, this, you know, cries of freedom of speech and outrage sort of, uh, mm. you know, were, were heard throughout the week. Censorship. And rightly so. Mm. And rightly so. Uh, I think come Wednesday, the proctor had actually uh, issued an apology to the magazine and said that it was a, that this was a terrible thing and they shouldn't have done it after all. And I think this week's issue of the critic, I've seen a preview of the cover and it's the it's the apology letter, but with it, with pretty much most of the words blacked out, like in a censored form. Oh, but, and but so it's. Hang, hang on, let me get this straight. Who's apologised here? Critic or the people who took the no, took the, it off? The university has apologised to Critic magazine oh, yeah, for okay. taking their basically book burning, taking their right. the, the, this this issue mm. because. The, you know, the, the idea that it has a menstruating woman on the cover is just... Beyond the out, pale. ...was beyond the pale. Yeah. And so, but by midweek, everyone had, had realised that actually this is a freedom of speech issue. And, well, it's maybe a know. really clever test from Critic. Well, yeah. Mm. It's turned out to be whether it was intentional or not. Yes. But no, great, 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 um, you know, and that's what student newspapers... You know, to to wind people up, get in the. This has gone around the world. It's one of those great stories. that's you know, it's been in newspapers. Uh, like the woman with the mop around on. the world. Yes, that's right. So yeah, hats that off. Was to the them. biggest story in the southern hemisphere.
this this week. Is that right? Yeah, in the southern hemisphere, the shit hemisphere, where nothing happens. I was interested to, to read that she was a life coach. Oh, yeah. And I thought... Oh, that and, always and, worries me. And, I have alarm bells. You know, that's Jesus, that's they go off. Bell. But I also, but I thought, here's an opening because she, if she had, if she herself had a life coach, <laughs> yeah, if she had a life coach, yeah, the first thing they'd say to her is, actually, I think don't get that tattoo because it's not quite the right. Doesn't vibe. come off. She if doesn't want to get rid of it. So clearly, she doesn't have a life coach. No. So I want to be life coach. Cobbler goes barefoot. I want to be a perhaps. life coach for life coaches. Yeah, why not? I think there's an opening for that. What a damn good idea, Paul. That's a I, tremendous What do you do? I'm a, I'm a life coach, life coach. Life coach, uh, I'm working for... I life coaches, life coaches. Castley and Hill. <laughs> <laughs> the life coaches, life coaches. Uh, <laughs> nice one. Does Crackham still put out a paper version of its thing? Yeah, of course it does. Does it? Yeah. That's the Auckland University one. Oh, well, that's a very interesting story, yeah. Paul. Well told, and I've um, particularly enjoyed the use of the word apeshit. The funny, we all <laughs> you don't know hear enough, what apeshit means. Uh, uh, sort of sadly, I was, I was just looking at, at the on stuff they were reporting on the apology from the proctor. Proctor's such a great word too, because that sounds vaguely... What is a proctor? It's, it, well, it's, it's the, the boss of the university somehow, but it sounds kind of proctologist, you know what I mean? What are they thinking? I thought they were called deans or something. Registrars. Anyway, the, 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 the of the university who decided that this was a good idea. And so the staff have ran this great big story, but they they, they don't show the full... full they're, they're too afraid to show the cover oh, of the... Of, so they've censored it as really? well. Really? Yeah. This is like the Charlie Hebdo cartoon on the news. You can't show it. Yeah, it's a bit like that. Yeah. Far out. Okay, uh, let's talk about the hookers of hardware, Paul. This is lovely. Yeah, this is um, this is uh, on. I think it's a co-pro of the spin-off and some filmmakers. Kim Vanell is one of them. He used to be a reporter on. We would have seen her on TV Three News back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I think Kim Vanell Three News. Kim Vanell, that's the one. Uh, Hawira is the is the life with the hookers of Hawira, and I think. Um, Zoe McIntosh is the other filmmaker, and she's made a lot of great films. And actually, I've seen great documentaries she's made about prostitution before. Anyway, this is an eight little eight-minute film that you can find on spinoff.co.nz, and it's basically she goes to Hawera, and there's this lovely little um, knock shop, knock shop run by these women, and it's this is just a slice of New Zealand life. Mm, good one. Lee is 26, mouldy, brown eyes, medium black hair, size 16, with a C cup. Amy is 33, European, blue eyes, blonde hair, size 12 with a double D cup. Yeah. I like the good You can hear him in the background on the other end of the phone, can't you? Very good New Zealand accent. She should be fine with you. Uh, slightly, but like quite bigger boobs. Okay. Well, we look forward to seeing you. Okay. Bye. People just don't understand what actually happens there. They think it's filthy. They think it's, you know, all messy and dirty and there's no hygiene standards. I was flatting on my own and I was struggling to pay bills. I was desperate. So I was a working girl for six months. I learned a lot. Well, well, well. Yeah, what was it about Taranaki? It's, it's, it's a lovely little film and it's just, it's just yeah, it's, it's just lovely. The documentary Let's Talk About Sex. 
spend half its time in Taranaki. That's where it's at, apparently. They're teaching people how to pole dance and how to do this and that, yeah, it's, uh, and getting there's, naked. There's a certain generosity of spirit in the Naki. There is, isn't there? You know? I think it's marvellous. Yeah. One of the best pies you could ever get at the uh, Kiwi Cafe. The cafe spelt with a K. Um, and it's in Inglewood, and you'll get the best steak and cheese pie you'll ever, ever, ever find. It's a marvellous thing. Yeah. Love the Naki. That and... A little bit of quick sex. That's right. And they've got that lovely Lynn Lye Museum too now, which looks a beautiful building. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they've gone ahead yeah. in leaps yeah. and bounds. We'll take a small break. And actually, they're all the same size. I don't know why it's saying small. Uh, when we return, uh, Kendrick Lamar, did he make a mistake? I think he might have. And a beautiful documentary about Robert Kennedy. The Weekend Variety Wireless with Dock Edge Festival. Get a free program at dockedge.nz. All right. Uh, Kendrick Lamar is uh, a, a modern composer and Very sing good. singer. Amazing performer. A rapster. He, I think he, he played at the uh, Auckland City Limits couple of years back. Did he ask someone up on stage? It was very good. No, I don't think so that night. Mm. No. He won the, hang on, he won the Pulitzer Prize recently too. Did he? Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah, he's a, he's an, it's a, you'd like his stuff actually. He's cool. Very, he's very good. He invited, so he invites people up on stage and they get to sing a song. Oh yeah. Rap a, rap a piece. Yep. Um, this one's just full of the N-word and it, it picks this young white girl what are you supposed to do? Anyway, it was a disaster waiting to happen, and the disaster happens. That's her. So, oh, am I not cool oh. enough for you? Oh. My boy Roland kind of knew the rules a little bit. Uh, Will's just really cool, bro. You have to work. You got to bleep one single word, no. though. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I do it? Yeah, you did it. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. Should she stay up here, y'all? Oh. Hey, please keep me up here. I got you. I'll wow. She's howled oh down. Um, <laughs> I would have had to have bleeped far too yeah. much more uh, to... Wow, where was that? Somewhere in the United States. The poor girl, you've yeah, got to yeah, say. Yeah. Um, he knew what the song... He could have fixed that, I yeah. think, uh, at the beginning, before it started. Don't invite a little white girl to do it or pick a different tune. Um, but the poor thing was just absolutely howled down. Yeah. And... I hope she's getting on all right. A little bit of mistake there, I think, <laughs> from Kendrick. For the that's put, kind of put a, that in it, your Pulitzer Prize. Own goal or something? What is that? I'm yeah, it is, isn't it? Is. It's kind of a yeah, it's kind of an own goal. Liverpool Champions League. Tricky one, yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit like that. Oh, that um, <laughs> poor yeah. now oh boy, that he, he's probably the only person on the planet that's feeling worse. He's not very happy at the moment, is he? Than than that woman that was on stage. Oh, she'll be all right. It's yeah, just, yeah, it's, yeah, but it's yeah. A, yeah, it's an interesting situation, isn't it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> Kendrick. <laughs> okay. Another Ken. What are weird names. Why would you call your kid Elon? Why would you call your kid Kendrick? Kenneth is a far more sensible and civilised name, isn't it? Or Elon Musk. He, he must, it must be some 
particular nationality that likes yeah, that type of name, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Is it, it's not Greek or something, is it? Don't know, what could it? be. What I've got it? no idea. Yeah. It might be just one of those flash made up ones. Mm. Okay. Uh, Kenneth Clark. Oh, yeah. So this is just something that uh, I'd been... I'd heard that there's a new series called Civilizations, which is a remake of uh, a series that Kenneth Clark, who is like an art historian and a, and a sort of... A, a, a very toffee-speaking uh, his, historian and author and um, I don't know if he's a royal, but he's, he has that kind of vibe about him. Um, but he was he presented the show f- that was in 1969, and I think it was uh, at the time David Attenborough was the the convener of the, or whatever they called it, of the BBC Two or whatever it was. Oh. So, and this was a landmark series. A proctor, perhaps. Yeah, he, he was the proctor of BBC Two. And this was a landmark series that they made um, sort of to mark the beginning of colour television in the UK. So 1966, we're talking. Oh. And so this... and, and That's when the Beatles started and, in and colour. They, and they thought, they thought, well, the same year, isn't that interesting? Yeah, they yeah. thought, what's better, what should we do in colour? Oh, the great artworks of Europe. And so right. they came up with this. So Kenneth Clark's, uh, it's kind of, a, you know, his essay, I guess, if you call the whole series, it's a big series, is talking about the history of Western civilization. So post the fall of Rome and telling it through the artworks and the architecture. And, and, it's, okay. a, and it's a lovely thing. And this was remade this year. Um, I'm hanging out to find out who's going to broadcast it in New Zealand. I haven't found out yet. Uh, it may appear on Prime. It may not appear anywhere. But Who's hosting it? It's hosted by Mary Beard. Oh, lovely! And Simon Sharma, different hosts on different episodes. I love Mary Beard. Yeah, it's uh, and it's 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 a lovely thing. I managed to find a few episodes online, but it's not on YouTube. But while I'm talking about this original series, Civilization, it's 1966. It's all on YouTube. The BBC obviously have a bit of a, a lax attitude to older series. Uh. It's all on YouTube, and I started watching it. And at first, it's a bit hard going because it's a bit slow and a bit ponderous, but. I found myself going back to it, and it's it's a really lovely thing. Yeah, it is. Okay. We hear a bit of him, mate. He always arrives out of an organ. Yeah. Ruskin said, great nations write their autobiographies in three manuscripts. The book of their deeds, the book of their words, and the book of their art. Not one of these books can be understood unless we read the two others. But of the three, the only trustworthy one is the last. Oh, that's what the royal wedding should have sounded like. That's right. It's very good. I don't understand half of it, but it doesn't really matter. No. You you pick up stuff and it's, it's, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's kind of like an, it's kind of like an art history uh, lecture that you wander into by mistake and go, oh, this is quite good. Smells slightly of church pews. This is quite good, which is, it just reminds me of something else I want to mention quickly, which Mm. is the manifesto show at the Auckland City Art Gallery. It's a uh, installation piece. There's like six or seven or eight big screens in this big dark room you wander around Kate Blanchett is playing every character it's beautifully filmed it's kind of a riff on artistic manifestos it's a great piece of, it's a great piece of work and you can lose yourself in there for an hour and a half without oh. any trouble at all wonderful Fire thing up. manifesto at the Auckland City Art Gallery till June the 15th also on YouTube you can watch The Great War put together by A.A. A. Gill the author his dad it's one of the Best things yeah, ever. I told you about that. Yeah, you did. I'm just mentioning it. Was that his dad? Yeah. See, I, that was a fact I didn't know about it. Yeah. Okay. Unless I got that bit wrong. I'm pretty sure it's right. I don't think he, it is his dad. He went on about it. Yeah, no, it wasn't his, I don't think it's his dad. You sure? Well, I'm... Yeah. Well, but moot, moot point. It's a yeah. great thing. Yes, uh, it is. No, there's a lot of old stuff on YouTube and entire series yeah. it do, of it that just type of stuff. A nice parallel with this um, Civilizations thing Yeah, uh, with Kenneth 
clack. Okay. Um, also from the BBC, this is the BBC World Service. They've done this beautiful documentary coming up for the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Robert Kennedy. That's well, one of your early obsessions, isn't it? Oh, JFK. Robert was great. Have you been to the Grassy Knoll? No. Oh, See, I used to I'm think surprised. there was a conspiracy until I read Case Closed and I thought, gosh, I feel silly now. Um, it's well worth it. But Robert Kennedy, yeah. That's what they want you to think. <laughs> it's a nicely made documentary. but So is this available online now? It is. You, just, you have to go to the BBC World Service yep. and it's called The Documentary. Um, and you can do, I think you can even download it you pretty easily. Too, Thank you very much, yeah. the uh, taxpayer of Britain. Here's just a sample anyway. Martin Luther King dedicated his life to love and to justice between fellow human beings. Robert Kennedy turned himself into an impressive speaker and a charismatic politician. Shortly before his own death a few years ago, British journalist and broadcaster David Frost, he of the Frost-Nixon tapes, not one to be easily impressed, recalled the impact that RFK had on him. This was the last interview he ever did before he was assassinated and he had this amazing mocking self-deprecating quality which was really attractive and so on and I was saying to him at one point uh, you know the reason that some people still th think of you as ruthless was because of the tough things you had to do when you were the campaign manager for your brother JFK and Kennedy just shook his head and he said no that's just my friends making excuses for me I've always for many years said that my definition of charisma was simply Robert Kennedy. He died about six weeks later. He knew that his life was on the line. He said a number of times, there are a lot of guns between me and the White House. After he got through shaking hands with his two guys, he turned and walked toward the colonial room and the television lights went on and I just felt, a sh went into shock, I didn't know I was being shot, I thought I was being electrocuted. I basically froze. No one in that room was moving except Sirhan. And the first shot hit the center just behind the right ear. So it was quite clear to you that Sirhan Sirhan had aimed the gun from very short distance right at Senator Kennedy's head. Right. He was standing about three feet, uh, but lunging forward. Uh, there's a lot of eyewitness testimony in there. I've edited those mm, mm. bits. It doesn't flow like that. It flows mm. much more nicely. But what a strange choice, Stephen Sacker, as the presenter. I guess he's kind of the brand voice of BBC World, though, isn't he? No, he's not. I don't think he is. He's He does hard talk. He's the brand of hard talk now. Mm. I get the but feeling... But is this also a visual... This might, must be a visual no, thing as well. No, it's, it's all just, just audio. audio. Okay, right. Um, okay. And well, I'm pretty sure. And... He's the, he's the sort of guy who would push others out of a queue in order to get to... I'm, I'm going to go to the front of the queue and get this job. Because he does hard talk. If he were actually interviewing Robert Kennedy, he'd go, you talk funny, you're afraid of your own shadow, you look rather skinny, why do you bother breathing? You know, that sort of thing. He's, that's he's, quite good. I quite like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that's his brand. Anyway, it, it's, a, it's a nice thing. The documentary yeah. on BBC World Service. It is repeating at 
after oh, after the one o'clock news tomorrow morning in a few hours, put it that way. Okay, Paul, thank you very, very much. Uh, anything you want to say before you go to dinner? No. Manifesto, Auckland City Art Gallery. Go, go to it, it's great. Okay. Here's our New Even Zealand. you would like it. Right. You hate that kind of arty shit. But you yeah. Like it. It's very good. Okay. That's saying something. Our New Zealand accent of the week. Mouldy house tenant. We were all good, but we had to move out because renovations, because we were living with black mould and bleaky roofs, so that we had to get out of there. Yeah, there's just nothing. Someone very, very close to me has just recently gone to a car moved into a car, so it's all like, mm, so that could be us. The Weekend Variety Wireless with Dock Edge Festival. For details, visit dockedge.nz. Remember that news story? Cape Town was going to be running out of water. It's a big, modern, industrial city. Were these going to be the first water refugees, climate change or not? Uh, there was going to be a D-Day when they turned on the taps and nothing came out. That would be... A nightmare for a large city like Cape Town. I haven't heard anything since the D-Day was supposed to have come and gone. So let's call Cape Town and see if they're still there. And we have Ian Nielsen, who's actually the Deputy Mayor of Cape Town. Thanks for your time, giving us some of your time of a Sunday, um, Ian. Well, good day to you and all your listeners. First, what's the population of Cape Town? We're a population of around 4 million people, growing very rapidly. The city grew by 30% over a period of 10 years. Uh, our country is still urbanising very strongly. When was so the we last... We continue to grow at rate, maybe... When was the last D-Day for the water supply? When was it supposed to have run mm. out, that day that came has come and gone? Well, you know, uh, projections were made on an ongoing basis. Um, so uh, back in January when... Uh, dam levels were dropping very rapidly. Uh, the projection was into April. Uh, but as we intervened and changed things, uh, essentially that, uh, that projection moved out further and further to, to the point where we said it's simply not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen this year. You've so essentially... Yep. No, not at all. Uh, so, you know, essentially... Uh, what uh, both the city and the national government did was to ensure that we reduced uh, consumption very dramatically, uh, particularly the agricultural uh, uh, releases were restricted by national government from, from our six dams. Uh, the city itself also intensified its uh, water restrictions. So that together has simply been the, the way we... Uh, we've ensured that, that the rate of, of dropping in dam level uh, moderated very dramatically. Did it and rain? So we've essentially not. Sorry? Did it rain? Well, we have now got into the start of our rainy season. We're the winter rainfall area, and uh, this month in May, we've now started to get some rain. Uh, the rainfall this month is better than last year's May rainfall. Uh, so we're starting to be hopeful about this. In fact, our dam levels are now at 3% higher than they were this time last year. So essentially we have managed to get through this past summer, uh, you know, without running out of water. We, we avoided getting to day zero. Has it always been a problem for Cape Town water supply? 
Well, you know, we've had a number of droughts in the past, um, but we've always managed to get through them. We have quite a, a substantial uh, dam system here, uh, and in the past has always been adequate. But essentially what has happened now these past three years uh, was uh, the worst drought essentially in, in more than a century. Okay. Uh, 2017 rainfall was the lowest on record, literally dropped off the graph, uh, only 30% of long-term average. Uh, so it was that cumulative effect of three years of very low rainfall that dropped down dam levels down very dramatically. Um, but we, we have now, through, through controlling uh, consumption and massive cooperation from millions of people in the city, uh, we've managed to avoid the worst uh, scenario. It's not normal life, though, I suppose. These restrictions, I understand, are, are pretty severe still. Well, yes. So we're still in restrictions, uh, what we call our Level 6B restrictions, which uh, we call on people to only use 50 litres per person per day for their, for their personal usage, uh, you know, which is, is a very stringent amount. Our overall gross usage of water in the city, which includes all the you know, industrial, commercial and, and leakages and all of that together, is sitting currently around 125 litres per person per day, uh, which is, is about half of what it was before the drought started. All right. And the if you get good winter rain, will, uh, will that be enough to go back to what was the previous normal, that you could use what water you wanted well, for it, your own comfort? It all depends. It all depends just how much rain we get. Um, you know, if we get the, the same as 2017, we will be facing another year at least of, of uh, severe restrictions. If we get an average rainfall, it could fill our dams up to about 80%. Um, and uh, we could then relax the restrictions somewhat. And obviously, if we get more than that, then we could move to a position of, of removing restrictions altogether. So uh, essentially now we wait for our heavy rainfall periods of July and August, uh, and then we will determine how to, how to take um, management of the system going forward. Okay. It would have been a frightening prospect, I suspect. It's a big city. You can't live without water. It would have, uh, when you got really close to that DJ, were you planning for evacuation? Well, we, we, that would what we call our double zero day where evacuation was required. We were looking at, at a scenario um, of shutting off water to, to households and requiring people to collect water at water collection points. Oh, yeah. uh, that would have required about 200 points across our city with a whole range of taps at everyone. It would have been the biggest um, you know, civil disaster management that... Uh, the city would have ever uh, had to undertake. So we were we all were ready and planned for it, um, but we worked very hard to ensure that we didn't get to that point. Ian Nelson, I appreciate being kept up to date with this with this story, which seemed to have evaporated. Uh, it's and I'm very glad that the dams are filling again, and it's not the story that it was. So all the best for the winter, and thanks very much for your time, Deputy Mayor of uh, Cape Town. Thank you. Thank you. Also coming up uh, later this evening, we've got 
an interview with this kid. I'm just going to play you this from a court case from 1990. I'll tell you what happens afterwards. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial in Richland County history. Dr. John Boyle is accused of killing his wife, Noreen, and burying her body in the basement of his new home in Erie, Pennsylvania. The motive, prosecutors say, so he could move into that house with younger girlfriend, Sherry Campbell, who was carrying his baby. The Boyle murder trial is so hot, you'll find a television monitor outside the jam-packed Richland County courtroom. That many people want to see it. It's actually better than a soap opera because it happened right in our own town. It's just like a movie. It was like seeing something out of a horror movie, only this was real. A Richland County jury watched a gruesome videotape of Noreen Boyle's body being exhumed from a shallow concrete grave. The 12-year-old son of accused murderer Mansfield Dr. John Boyle finally took the stand. Will you tell us who you are? I'm Collier Landry Boyle. Did anything happen during the course of that night that woke you up? The immediate thought I had was something was wrong with my mother. I heard a thud. A little... Okay, could you describe this sound for okay. us? Okay. It was about this loud. A an interview with that kid who was 12 in 1990. He's all grown up. Confronts his father. That'll be after 10. A murder in Mansfield is the documentary.